My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 161 of Legally Clueless. Thanks for being part of the fam, for rocking with this podcast. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. Audio episodes go out every single Monday. And on our YouTube channel, we have our video series, two seasons out. Season three is loading. I'm super excited about that. And our tour series is freaking awesome. In fact, we just put out a new episode, part two of Legally Clueless in Dubai. It is amazing. I'm biased, but I'm telling the truth. (laughs) I enjoy doing so much in Dubai. This part two episode has a lot of activities in the sky from like going on a glass slide 53 stories up on a skyscraper. So you're sliding on the side of the skyscraper. So when you look under you, around you, because it's glass, it's like you're sliding in midair. That was crazy. And I did that twice. Having dinner in the sky, which was freaking awesome. And of course, as usual, some amazing African stories. So go check it out on our YouTube channel. I think you'll really enjoy it. And we poured our hearts into it. So I think you'll connect with it. Do remember, you can join our Instagram community. We're at Legally Clueless Africa. Also Legally Clueless Africa on TikTok. And if you want to chit chat about the podcast on Twitter, please use the hashtag Legally Clueless. In the show notes, there's links to all of our social... Sorry, I just hit my water bottle. These links to our social media platforms, so you can check those out. All right, back to this episode. Really excited about the story you're going to hear because the story tell first and foremost when I met her. Her energy is the best. Her name is Wanjira. She filled out the form, the storyteller form that's always in the show notes. We connected and I recorded her story that has everything to do with fertility issues. Listen to this. I had just gotten my first very serious case of character development. <laughs> I had met this guy. We were going to get married. Or so he said. And this man just goes, it's not you, it's me. And his space was five days and he got engaged to his ex. (laughs) One day I'm just minding my business and I start feeling this pain on my right side, on my lower abdomen. He checks. He's like, no, your appendix is fine. And he's like, no, it's your ovary. And when they repeat this, can they realize that the said cyst is now three times bigger? than it was last month it wasn't making sense when i wake up dr paul comes and sees me and he tells me madam now you had pus in your right ovary and your right fallopian tube so a little later in the episode you will hear wanjura's story but before we get to that i'm really excited about this episode song of the week because i very randomly stumbled on this artist i think on instagram and then fell in love with like seven songs of hers her name is mega have never heard of her before but ah her music is it ah have you ever listened to a song and it's like describing exactly what you feel you just didn't have the words before and then you listen to the song randomly and you're like that's it that that's what I'm feeling. Ah, that's what I felt. So the song that I want you to check out by Mega is called Be Good, Be Kind. I've put a link to it in the show notes. It's on YouTube. There's a music video for it that's absolutely beautiful in case you're listening on a platform that doesn't have show notes. Just look for Mega. The name of the song is Be Good, Be Kind. But check out her other music as well. It's awesome. 
<laughs> so I, I actually was listening. Well, I stumbled on her music this weekend. I was away for the weekend at a really awesome, ugh, awesome destination in Nairobi. It was one of those like work, not work <laughs> type of trips. I'm going to be sharing about this particular location. It's called Eden on my social media platforms at some point this week. If you are a creator of things, you definitely want to look out for that or you're just looking for a place to recharge i think i found my favorite corner of nairobi however the first day i got there i found this little corner in this vast garden they have and it had this like old swahili style day bed thing and so i took my notebook because i really wanted to get a lot of writing done and i figured if i'm detaching perhaps i will get inspired anyway so took my notebook my phone well one phone and earphones and I go to this corner to write and obviously I'm excited because I've just discovered this new artist I'm like let me check out her other stuff and I check out be good be kind and I write one of the lyrics down that embodies exactly what I feel I think she goes actually you know what I'm gonna pull up the actual sentence where is my notebook oh there it is I wrote down one of the lyrics which is, nobody knows how close I am to the edge. Huh. <laughs> Seems like very normal English words <laughs> arranged in a sentence. But I, in this moment, fully identify with those lyrics. And so I wrote them down as I was listening to the song because I was just like, oh my goodness, this is... And as the song continues, she's talking about so many feelings that I've felt in the last couple of days, weeks, and months. Which is, you know, like you feel like you're unraveling and... You want somebody to just be good and be kind to you. Seriously, listen to the song. Anyway, so I'm writing, I'm writing. And it's like this one line is like opening the floodgates of both writing and tears. So I'm like furiously writing. I can't stop. My hand is just like going, 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 going. And I'm crying, you know, and it's those type of tears or crying that your abdomen is like in pain and cramping and my mind is racing and panicking like wait is this a panic attack and then it's just panicking about so many other things and I'm just like crying 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 and I have my earphones on I'm listening to this song and the volume is all the way up so I reduce it because this location I was at has the friendliest group of Maasai's who are part of the staff there and I was like because it's getting dark one of them might come and want to either bring me a light or get me back to the room with a torch and I don't want to like freak them out so I reduce the volume because I can't stop crying I'm like okay oh my god what's going on and I think oh should I get my other phone and like chat my therapist but that requires me to walk back to the room and I was just like just let's just go through this moment whatever it, it is it's some form of release I think there's just been chaos and noise and fears around me. And it's just so much of, of that, that what I've wanted for a while is peace. Because it's been consecutively heavy days for weeks. And I remember a particular week in March where I didn't think I'd make it past Wednesday. And I'd set my therapy session for Thursday. And I was so scared I would not see Wednesday. That I would just... <sighs> You know, because I was having such heavy dark thoughts that are saying that they are your gateway to peace. And I rationalize it. You know, it makes sense. Also because life in that moment and even still now is so noisy that life has lost sense. So these dark thoughts are like very calm in a very scary way, you know, because you're also asking yourself, like, what's the point 
of life. Like, why am I here? Well, what, what are we doing here? You know, just having those heavy thoughts consecutively every day, especially in March, sometimes every hour and still having to show up for events that I'm moderating or I'm emceeing or, or I'm part of or shop for work. Man, it's, it's so exhausting. It's so numbing that when you have those dark thoughts, they are refreshing. I don't know if, if that makes sense. But I remember that week in March when I was just like, I don't see myself making it past Wednesday. I kind of, because of being in therapy for so long, know what I'm meant to do in that moment. So it's almost like I have two people in my head you know there's one that's like oh shit we need to <laughs> execute the plan that always helps us with these type of thoughts and it's obviously to reach out to my therapist but also to have an accountability partner and I'm so thankful that I have a best friend who gets it I don't have to explain to so much she just gets it Val obviously she's been on the podcast before I feel like I need to get her back on here she hasn't been on here for a while but also work and life you know yeah so she then became my accountability partner that's what my therapist has called it in the past and there's no judgment with her there's no panic and once I told her she like called every single morning I remember there's one morning that I didn't pick because I was just like so out of it and she just kept calling and when I picked there was no like aggression, nothing. She just affirmed me being here. And that's really a powerful thing, a very powerful arc in our friendship. And because of how instrumental my therapist was for me and still is because phew, <laughs> I'm still, I mean, these thoughts were just Friday in the crying, right? And it's just been a couple of days. So I'm still in it. Yeah, because because of that, I, in the show notes, have also put a link to a Twitter thread or a Twitter resource where different people in Kenya shared a list of the therapists that they've had who are both affordable. Well, obviously that's relative, but they found them affordable and effective. I've put a link to that in the show notes just in case you're looking for a therapist anyway back to friday so i cried and cried and cried and wrote and wrote and wrote and i wrote so honestly it was a tad bit refreshing it was just release and as much as it <laughs> this is a downer as much as it's release those thoughts are still there so you release them and it's like what you're still here you know other than things that i'm currently doing with my therapist I think and my my therapist likes saying she's always like a day at a time a day at a time sometimes there are days it's like a minute at a time and then I also try and find one thing every day to kind of fuel me I remember there's this extremely dark day that the one thing was just how brilliantly blue the sky was you know and it's it's something so distanced it's something so not to say that i don't want to belittle how wonderful nature is and i remember being on phone with val that particular morning and being like oh the sky is so beautiful have you seen this today and that that was my one thing for that day so i try and find one thing every day and, and there are days where i have to just find one thing every hour <laughs> and and take it from there i now have two accountability partners I guess in this moment, I've moved away from like, I'm going to be okay to I'm okay in this moment and that's enough for now. And the reason I picked this particular song of the week, it's not that it inspired my <laughs> heavy breakdown on Friday. But honestly, as I was saying, going through all of this and showing up for work or whatever is 
super exhausting. I remember once thinking, wait, but if I'm showing up and this is what I'm feeling and what I'm navigating, chances are people in this room are going through it as well and showing up. So it makes it so much more important for us to be that kindness, be that good for the next person. It could, it honestly could just be taking the time to have a conversation with someone or to compliment them on something or taking the time to really see someone. The smallest things are so affirming. Okay, Whew. <laughs> that was a lot. I wasn't even sure I was going to share all of this with you but I thought why not like I've made the space to be safe enough for storytellers and and guests to be vulnerable why not me let's jump into 100 African stories shall we uh-huh <laughs> I've always wanted to record a story that touches on fertility issues and challenges because it's it's one of those things that's not spoken about a lot but so many people identify with this struggle but at the same time i don't craft the stories that you hear on legally clueless storytellers decide what stories they want to share and that's part of the magic so i was like one day that story is gonna find me <laughs> and it did when jira filled out the storyteller form this is her story a hundred african stories on legally clueless stories from africa so my name is Wanjira and I'm from Limuru, Kenya. My story starts in 2016, January of 2016. In 2015, December, I had just gotten my first very serious case of character development <laughs> where I had met this guy. We had been together for around 11 months and we were going to get married or so he said and he insisted that he was about to leave for the uk and he wanted us to meet our parents which i was very against because at the time i was just starting i was i think in my second year of nursing school and i just felt like talking to an african mother like hey so there's this guy you even haven't told your parents that you're having sex so to start with i found a man and we're getting married and i'm not done with school that just wasn't aligning with what I wanted. But he was like, hey, I'm going to the UK. I really need to do this. I really need to meet your family before I go. And I was like, okay, if you insist. I was schooling in uh, Mombasa at the time. So we travel all the way. We come to Nairobi. And I'm supposed to go to Limuru and break the news. And he's supposed to stay with his brother in uh, Nairobi. And then we're going to meet on Saturday. So on Friday, I'm just getting the phone. I'm calling the person. And I'm like, hey, so... What time do you guys want to get here? We've already got to the market. I'm Kikuyu. So we've done the the peas and the potatoes. If you are Kikuyu, you know. If there's a ceremony, the chapatis, the peas, they have to come through. So we've done this shopping. And I'm just calling. So what around what time? And this man just goes, it's not you, it's me. I need time to think about where my life will go. <laughs> and I, I legit thought she was a prank. When it started, I was like, wait, you're joking, right? No, the man was serious. And his space was five days and he got engaged to his ex. <laughs> <laughs> it was a time like everything was happening. I'm like, what is happening? I, you know, as ladies, you think I should have seen the red flags. The time, the, what red flags? We had never fought, not one day. You insisted on this meetup. So, like, I was 
I was shocked to say the least. And now it's January, so everything has happened in December. And also, my dad had died uh, two years uh, ago in December. Before that, it was I was in a rocky place because my dad wasn't typically a dad. I grew up with a man who I knew bathed me but did nothing for me. I've been raised by my mom my whole life and my dad has been the one to to reap the fruits of your labor in the sense of if you're passing then he's my she's my daughter and da da da, da. but you ask him what class am I what form am I and nothing and now I'm dealing with my dad and now the man has decided, you know what, I'm out. I don't want to deal with this. Da, da, da. So I go back to school because you have to go back to school, right? So in January, I was literally living the TID song. So for those who don't know, TID is a Tanzanian musician. And he has a song called Zeze. In the first verse of the song, he talks about the way he's not eating and the way he's not sleeping. And he just needs this person. Because this song came out when I was 12. I'm 20 then. At the time, I was like, who doesn't sleep because of a man? And who doesn't eat, my friend? I was, <laughs> I was TID. I was living his reality of not sleeping and not eating. And even if I didn't eat or sleep enough, what I did have, however, was a craving for clay. So pregnant women chew clay a lot. But for me, it wasn't like a pregnancy thing. It, it For me, being in coast, they were there freely. You didn't have to go into a supermarket. I think I just had like that pika that attraction to just eat those things and also a time back i had tried to look around family planning and epils had really messed me up and i really bled for a long time and i think because of that low hp level that's why i was chewing the clay so i'd have like clay and a packet of milk almost every day then one day i'm just minding my business and i start feeling this pain on my right side on my lower abdomen and the first thing that hit me is that i have appendicitis these stones have been out here chewing chewing eating eating it's appendicitis and what's so weird that reality of me getting appendicitis didn't freak me out i was like oh they they can take it out you can live without an appendix so it's fine so i really didn't think much of it i was working in a hospital i was in a season school so it's easy to get to like an imaging guy and be like hey you you don't even need a doctor to see you You're like hey sasa see me let me lie here and you can check if i'm fine so that is what happened it wasn't like uh by the book kind of thing he was my friend and i was like hey i'm just having this weird pain on my right side you just can't scan and tell me what's going on because i was like if it's an appendicitis i can just schedule it i don't have to pay again because i work in a hospital so i can just go get it out done and he checks he's like no your appendix is fine okay but i am legit feeling pain and he's like no it's your ovary okay what's up with the ovary oh it just seems like you have a cyst but it's not that big it's uh, it's small it can resolve within some time but to get yourself comfortable and everything book again clinic go get checked out everything will be okay okay no problem so i go make an appointment with my guy my guy checks it out checks the results of the scan and he says ah the cyst is very small it doesn't need any intervention it's fine it's gonna resolve on its own after i got the results that is in january the next three weeks were hell for me i couldn't sleep 
I used to have these mega fevers. I called my mom and I was like, yeah. I know I told you because my mom had told me, come to Nairobi, let me take you to a reasonable hospital. But I'm like, I'm in Malindi. I work in a hospital. What do I need to come all the way to Nairobi for? And I called her and I'm telling her, yeah, I think I have something, but I don't know what. Because if the scan is just showing a simple cyst, then it shouldn't be that big a deal. <sighs> I get fevers, really bad fevers one day. And I knock on my neighbors so my neighbors were my classmates and they were roommates three guys and i told them take me to hospital i'm really feeling bad today in malindi where we used to live because we are students and you know we're just trying to make it and malindi is predominantly a tourist destination so houses are really expensive so to save on costs we used to live in the ghetto the ghetto around malindi and in the ghetto you have to be in the house like by 6 p.m because if you're there you can get shot you can get raped it was a very dangerous place like it wasn't a big deal to find dead people on the on the trenches it was a very entertaining time of my life in Malindi. So I needed people. And they were men. And they were three. Yay! Take me to the hospital. Imagine we get to the hospital and I work here. They just don't know me because I'm a student. Yeah? And this recipient nurse and she goes like I'm going to say it in Swahili and I'm, she went goes like oh kumbe ulikuwa kwa shughuli zako na wanaume watatu jioni alafu so basically she was like you have been sleeping around with these three men and something wrong has happened that's why they're bringing you like it wasn't even about an introduction that i'm feeling bad it was like, oh you just had to be doing something that was so filthy and all this so even when i was explaining to her that I, this is what i'm feeling she didn't believe anything i said She's basically, oh, you campus students, you're here sleeping around with everybody. You probably have a UTI. And since I was young, I've never really been ashamed of mentioning private parts. If I have an issue with my vagina, I will tell the doctor, listen, this is where my problem is. I've never really been scared of saying this is where the problem is. So why would I have an UTI and tell you I have a pain in my abdomen? At the end of the night, they gave me a diagnosis of tonsils. Tonsils are up here. I don't even understand the relation. But they told me I had tonsils. They gave me antibiotics, which I didn't take because, again, I came to you with pain. I didn't I know what tonsils feels like. Every child in Kenya knows how tonsils feels like. So at that moment, I told Ma, I think I might think about, you know, coming to Nairobi. But I was still apprehensive. I was still going to wait it out. For me, I think that's a problem because I really don't rush into things. I wait until they are really bad. And one day, the really bad happened. I woke up and I couldn't feel my right leg. It was very numb. It wasn't completely dead, but when I stepped down, I could feel something was off and I was like, yeah, I think it's time to go home. So... I went, I came to Nairobi with a night bus. I was so feverish. And I thank one of my good friends because she offered to bring me to Nairobi all the way from Malindi. She was like, nope, I have to make sure you at least somewhere you don't faint on the road because my fevers were through the roof. So I get home. My mom takes me to hospital. And to, I go to this certain hospital. They repeat the scan. And when they repeat the scan, they realize that the said cyst is now three times bigger than it was last month 
it wasn't making sense even if cysts do grow the speed was not making sense so i go there they do some weird tests and by weird i mean every hole in your body gets poked and you're not ready for that but you're in the mindset of you need help so you're gonna cooperate until you get help and they go like now ma'am uh we don't know what's going on there's clearly something but we don't know what so you're going to go into theater okay i had had people go for surgeries and all but now for me was not even the appendix tour you know this was beginning to be real for me because first of all you're telling me you're going to do a procedure and you don't even know what is going on so i go into theater it was supposed to be open and shut in and out and we're done they give me the half spinal so i was supposed to be awake during the whole thing i wasn't awake for more than three minutes Uh, I started vomiting. I started feeling everything. And they had to put me under. So when I get back, there's so many people speaking. They're saying things. I'm not comprehending. I'm taken to the ward. I sleep. And then I wake up. When I wake up, Dr. Paul comes and sees me. And he tells me, Madam, now um, you had pus in your right ovary and your right fallopian tube. And the abscess was so bad they had fused together. And he was talking about now, you're 22 now. Um, I think it's best you start looking for kids and you see what will happen from there. I'm 22. I just got dumped like yesterday. Like it's it hasn't even sunk in. And you're telling me, find a child. It was a conflicting time because the truth is, I always knew that I wanted kids. I wasn't really afraid of the young and pregnant kind of thing. Okay, of course it wouldn't have been high school because hey, I feared boys. I feared boys. A boy would talk to me in a funky zip. I would go blank. And it's so crazy because when people see me now, they can't imagine that I was that person. But I was those girls who were like, no, my books, my books, talk to my hand, my books. I'm focusing on my books right now. <laughs> But even even then, I knew like if I go to campus, when I went into campus, I had the dream. I'm going to get myself a boyfriend because when you go to campus, that's what you do. You get yourself a boyfriend. But then I had not factored in the nonsense that comes with men's relationships and the myths and misconceptions around sex. When people would talk about their virginity stories i couldn't relate because i was a virgin for a long time or relatively because i lost my virginity when i was 20 and i went when i was 18 19 and people talk about these stories and it i even became the joke of my friends of i who are you waiting for there's never a right person so even how i lost my virginity was not because i felt oh my god i'm so in love with this person i was like am i going to really go into third year without having sex so it just might you know go through it after i had sex with this guy i came to realize that it was a bet he had bet with his friends and the fact that people had tried to talk to me in our class and now uh he was a class behind me and he comes over he sleeps with me and to add cherry on top of the cake i'm a virgin 
he got spoiled. I was like, okay, I think for me that one I wouldn't say heartbreak. It was more like embarrassment. My campus is really small. Everybody knows everybody. And to live with that realization that this man was chilling his whole weekend drinking alcohol on free on your vagina, you know. And then you're like, no, I'm going to get a responsible man with work. And then the one with work dumps you. A day before the an introduction, he insisted. So I was really scared. And to tell me now that have kids, you know, because even when I was there dealing with these two men at the time, I I still felt like if you're gonna leave me pregnant, it's fine. I've never really been afraid of being a single mom, mostly because I was raised by one. So I know you can be fine. Of course, there's more factors than that, but I knew that I was gonna be fine regardless. So I was in the bed, I was numb. I don't know where to start. You're telling me have kids, I'm alone. And they have to go with, where's your husband? So you can talk to him. I don't have one of those. A boyfriend? Nah, I don't have none of those either. A serious person? Refer to A. <laughs> There's nobody. And at the time, I'm, I'm battling with God because I felt like whiny. I had grown up to be a standard girl. I had studied. I had waited till I was 20 to lose. And I, I knew some of my friends who like had sex when they were 15 and they're out here going into abortion clinics. Why not them? Why me? me? I don't even... I had just found out about family planning and the best things to do, safest things to use and i haven't even dived in to this life and you're telling me boom you're sick i remember just being very cold and numb during that hospital administration it didn't help that it happened on the 12th of february so the 14th got me in hospital and on the 14th the hospital i was at they decided you know it's valentine's day and it's it's sunday so we don't need to have visiting hours so splash uh, the ward where i was placed uh, they mix uh gain cases and maternity cases my neighbor on my right was a girl my age she had just given birth to a boy and her husband was happy and brought her so many flowers she couldn't even find somewhere to sleep on her bed here i was i don't have anybody to visit me because it's sunday and my mom is christian woman so she has to go to her chama and her what and then she'll see you in the evening you know nobody got me chocolates nobody got me nothing I, for a moment, hated my neighbor because I'm like, you brag <laughs> with your happy marriage and your good kids. And, da, 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 da. and I just remember like closing the drapes and just crying because I felt like God had been so unfair to me. Um, there were complications in that surgery and an intern had been sent to do a procedure. He didn't inquire and that mishap led me to lose stitches on my right side. So like I had to get stitches redone that let's not even talk about the pain and the torture that was. But I was like, it's fine. Uh, I had exams uh, two weeks after that and I was like, I was not going to defer my semester. I was going to put my titties up and I was going to go do these exams. So I got discharged Three days after I was discharged, I was on a bus. And I went to Mombasa and I did my exams. 
and I was top of my class. Now, the months following the first surgery were hard for me. I had to continue relieving the fact that I was told to find kids. How do you start? How do you sit across a guy in a date and you're like, oh, by the way, you know, my doctor said, eh, we should start like yesterday, you know, before 25, because he said before 25. So like, we should start. How, how am I supposed to have that conversation? How am I even ready for that conversation? Because now I'm just like in third year, I'm almost getting done with school, almost getting that job and what we thought adulting was after campus and all these things. Also, I lost my friend because i thought she was my friend and she decided to basically go tell people around that i was pregnant and i went to a dingy place tried to procure an abortion and it backward it didn't work out so i went to nairobi to get my uterus out <laughs> so when i went back to school people legit thought i didn't have a uterus and then you know it's stupid because we are medical students we should know better right but now there's this whole stigma about like oh don't talk to her she ain't gonna uterus right now looking back it's so dumb because you guys are medical students we should have known better but even at some point it got to my own head like yeah why would that guy talk to me you know because after that i was like done with the whole guy thing after campus i came home and i talked this is the first time i legit talked to my mom about my dating life how how was i going to start with i want kids and my mom told me let it go when it's god's time it will be god's time and don't bother around it and that just gave me clarity and from that moment on, that is not something that bothered me. Um, being plus size is good because now the scar is hidden somewhere in your fupa. So most men, because this Nairobi men don't care to know about your anatomy. Most men won't even notice the scar unless you mention it. So I was like, you know what? Fine. And then when I crossed over to 25, certain aspects of childbirth started hitting me. When you get a child, that person is with you for the rest of your life that person costs so much money so much sacrifice oh you want to go to that trip eh uh-uh, you have kids you want to do this like the aspects the real actuality of getting kids dawned on me on at 25 and i was like you know what i'm not in a hurry anymore i i, I don't even know at that moment it was like a switch for me and i've quickly went from oh my god kids right now to i'm not even sure i want these kids maybe somewhere down the line but not now i, I just knew not now i found peace in that and even when now the aunties you know they start bothering you like why well, you're gonna get your kids it's not something that used to bother me dating nairobi kawaida you just go through men who will teach you things but for me i i usually don't have regrets i look at my dating life as teachable moments honestly i never really got too close to the discussing the kids thing with most men i date because i just felt at the time they after the heartbreak man i dated a guy and we were together for some time and for him i was trying to implement the whole i had gone for from a rich successful man maybe that's not what i need maybe i need somebody who's struggling like me then we grow up together you know we, we go through the struggle and we did we went through the struggle i told the man no you need to move from your parents house and he was like my money is not good right now and i'm like i got you boo don't worry about it i'll pay your rent pay this man's rent for a couple of months and then he finally gets his dream job 
and he goes to the club and he drinks his money like he drinks like 20 g's a, a day like he will go out and then the mpesa message will be like 17 g's here and to join 11 g's there i was like yo babe we were supposed to talk about saving and strategy. Now that money is good. Let's do this thing. Let's save money. And he told me, don't tell me how to use my money. And after that, what was I doing there? I always wait until the relationship is mature enough for me to bring it up. As life would have it, I didn't have much luck with that i changed my strategy number one i would have all my men tested for hiv and for stis to go back when after my surgery when i was going for my checkups i asked why did the past thing come up and they went like ah you probably got gonorrhea or chlamydia and I'm like, but I would have felt that. I There are symptoms, right? People have, I don't know, f- uh, weird or foul smelling and da 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 da. I never, fa- I never felt that. I just remember the dismiss of my doctors. And they'll be like, oh, you're just a campus girl. You know, you probably got it and you didn't know. How would I not know it's my body? And from that point, it really affected my sexual experiences. Because I'm like, what if this one now has the HIV? What if this one had... So in my last situation, I think I just met him date one and I was out here giving him statistics. At the time now, I was going back to school and I was pursuing oncology because I really wanted to take care of cancer patients. And I was like, after oncology, I'm just going to go to a sperm bank and I'm going to get my own kids. Because now having this conversation with men of to get to a place where let's have kids was not getting there, I was just going to pay somebody's sperm. But now looking back, I realized that because of my trauma in relationships, it was some sort of defense mechanism. But I thought previously it was me being upfront and honest, but I realized that oversharing and that over just giving information was me telling you beforehand so that you don't get down the line and tell me, you know what, you didn't tell me this. But has that really rescued me from heartbreak and disappointment? No. So after that, my life really went on typically normally after I had accepted, you know what, kids, whenever. So I went back to school. I got done doing oncology and I was so happy with myself. So I was like moving on up right now, getting to the money and life started giving me shocks. I started feeling pain on my right side and I called my sister. My sister is my best friend and I called my sister and I was like, I don't know if it's those drugs. Maybe my body is trying to like flush them out of my system. And she was like, do you think we're not really saying big words there we're like do you think and i'm like hi you know see we got done so you went for surgery and everything and we know we nothing's up we're fine and she was like you know what you go to the hospital just for a checkup just to be sure everything is okay and i was like i wasn't even going to book a big appointment i don't know big hospital no i was just going to go to this imaging centers and tell them this is what i did and that is what i what happened? It's not even three minutes after he places that probe. And he's like, oh, there's a cyst. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm like, which side? And he says, right. And I'm like, how is the left side? He says, left side is A-OK. Left side is top notch. OK, what's the size? Oh, nothing too big. Same story. We are living the same kind of last time. OK, go book again an appointment. Same story. It's not big. Ain't nothing. Don't worry about it. 
uh, I'm on medication, pain meds, you know, just to help me move around and everything. And on the 3rd of January, um, we were coming home with my mom and I tell her, hey, I think this period pains because it was like a day before my periods. And I told my mom, this period pain this time, it's becoming hysterical. And she told me, you have the meds. Eh, go home, take the meds. Sour. So I take the meds nothing try the hot water bottle thing nothing so this pain started around 5 p.m at 9 p.m i was crawling on the ground so we rushed to hospital at night get morphine shots done another scan the scan this time says oh the cyst is hemorrhagic it's bleeding uh but don't worry about it sweetheart it's fine you'll be fine just go home wait on it so we started this thing at 2.5 centimeters. We are at four now. We are like, now what? Oh, no, you know, you can't do anything surgical until it's maybe five centimeters going up. Okay, so next month, uh, uh, no, towards the end of January, the 28th of January, another scan. We are at five, 5.7. Uh, so, madam, you know, we can wait. No, I'm not waiting again. I hate the thought of having to go to surgery again, but... It's 2022, so yay, we can do this laparoscopic surgery, which you don't have like to cut my parts. You just have to put in some probes and get it out. I just want it out. So uh, as nature would have it, the 15th, you see the other one was on 12th, the 15th of February, I got into theater. And we go through the whole, you know, she insisted on the surgery, you know, so they roll their eyes and everything. Like it's such a small thing. Why would she insist? She would have waited but I said what I said. I'm a patient with rights. And now I'm far too educated for you guys to bullshit me along the way. They tell me, gonna do this lapar- uh, uh, laparoscopic surgery. But if anything goes wrong, we're gonna have to cut you open. Okay, it's, you said it's just a small cyst, right? So they put me under. When I wake up, I'm in pain. Extreme pain. And I remember the first thing that I did is I touched my belly and there was a whole line of bandaging. And I'm like, you cut me open. And uh, doc said, yes. So meaning something was wrong. And in that moment, I kind of knew like, Mm-mm, something's off. And we go back to the bed. Where's my doctor? I want to talk to my doctor. No, madam, you're in pain right now. No, I want to talk to my doctor. Oh, no, he's already left. Okay, the next day, where is my doctor? Oh, he left for a conference. But another doctor will come and see you for his place. Okay, this other doctor comes. Oh, madam, everything is okay. You know, there was just kidogo problems, but you're fine. I'm like, no, tell me this is what happened no you do this you go home try for a child for a year if it doesn't happen come back this song again so i'm like why did you have to cut me open why did you need to go laparoscopically oh uh, there was so much scar tissue that was happening but if scar tissue was happening it means that i still had an infection but my blood work everything else nothing showed signs of infection no but madam that is what you know i'm not the one who did the surgery so it's, it's what it's what he's saying he said that there were adhesions in the uterus and around your ovaries he removed the cyst that was what was said he removed the cyst he's taken the cyst for a biopsy come after two weeks you're gonna get your results so my surgery has been done on a tuesday wednesday thursday i'm told you're good to go home these people never give me any antibiotics uh, not in the surgery, not after, 
not even tablets to go home with. So they go like, oh, according to our protocol, we don't give our patients antibiotics, which is weird because you cut me open. There were dust particles, nini. Corona, like, <laughs> if for anything. But they're like, no, you're fine, go home. Uh, one and a half weeks after I was discharged, I'm minding my business. There's this balcony place that I like sitting. I've given myself premium sunburns, but I, for some reason, I still go back there. And when I was going back into the house, I just feel this gush and I know something is wrong. And I look at my legs and there's this water. I just like take some of it, smell it, foul smelling. I have an infection. My mom tells me, so what? Do we do? Do we go back to the hospital? And I told my mom, no. If you go back to that hospital, they're gonna put me in a bed. I am a nurse. I've been a nurse since 2016, but nothing beats being in a hospital bed. It's mentally draining. You think about so much. The bed is uncomfortable. The shared toilets, and I was back in the same mixing maternity and gyne. Why do hospitals do that? If these women in gyne are going through big things, they they are going through miscarriages and they are going through cancer and all these things. They do not need to see other people breastfeeding and. Because you're like, why? This is just not a place that is comfortable. I don't understand. Because even in these big hospitals, you go, that's what you'll find. That gyne cases and maternity cases are put together. That is the one thing if I had authority, would immediately burn. Because they don't... It, the problem with our Kenyan hospitals is they do not factor in the psychology about hospitalization and illness and all these things. They just want you, oh, you're fine. Oh, madam, why are you still on the bed? Wake up and walk. You know, they do not go through what is going on in your head and what you're battling with. I get the infection. I tell my mom, because I know what I need, let's just go to a clinic. Let me just get some antibiotic shots. So, and that is what happened. Let me mention... One thing I had forgotten to say is on the day of discharge, as my mom is coming to pick me up, I'm packing up my things, da-da-da. So my mom is going through the, the surgical notes and she's like, yeah, da-da-da, right side, remove the cyst. Oh, left side, uh, problems noted, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, wait, go back. What did you just read? No, yeah, they say here on, the, on your left side, your fallopian tube is really inflamed and da 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 and I'm like, wait, bring me, the, give me the papers. Let me read them myself. And just like that, a reality sunk. Because this whole time, I know it's back on the right side. I was like, if the le- right side even wants to go ahead and die, I really don't care. You're the sick one. You're, you're, you're sick again. Okay, Sawa. But now you're telling me my left side is also sick. Why didn't anybody tell me this? Why am I finding about it by myself? You should have told me. I'm back home. Reality is hitting now. That. It's true. I'm not even sure to this day that I want kids. But to have that option is what you need to know. Like, okay, I don't want them now, but if I want them when I'm 33, can I get? But now you're understanding now that it might not actually happen because now they are talking about how my left side is so sick that it has created a space between my ovary and my fallopian tube so like there's a gap so that means that if an egg is released on my left side it has nowhere to go why didn't anybody tell me this so 
I am synthesizing that news and boom, I have an infection. The infection was so bad. My stitches go like three of them again. So again, I feel like I am reliving my 2016. Only that this time I am aware. I sometimes miss the oblivion. How I didn't know things, how things were happening and why they were happening. But I found myself again. And we go to the hospital where I got my surgery done. And I'm like, I've already taken care of the infection. You just need to do the stitches. Oh, madam, no, we don't do the stitches. They'll heal on their own. So I have a hole. Like when you you see, you can see the skin and the fat and everything. I'm like, okay, so can I at least get my biopsy? You said you took a part of my sister you have results and he goes like oh there's just an infection in your ovaries or probably a gonorrhea or a chlamydia this story again sir listen from for the last five years i haven't even gotten a little thing such as a uti yeast infection all my partners that i have had have been tested i'm even annoying about it that is why men think i'm a red flag i'm out here being like have you tested can i see and he's like no no you probably got it you probably got it that dismissal thing again i'm going back to that dismissal thing again so they give me antibiotics (laughs) <laughs> for gonorrhea which they can't diagnose and i'm there i take the biopsy results again i have to read for myself Da-da-da. the tissues on my left ovary are dying they're necrotizing and features highly suggestive of tb was this discussed with me no so what do i do i ask a doctor of mine and she's like maybe you do like a skin test to see if you have tb but I'm like, I've never gotten the typical symptoms, weight loss, night sweats, all these things. I've never gotten them. And she's like, I want you to go sit down and Google FGTB. So yeah, female genital urinary tuberculosis and understand it. So I find myself sitting down doing Dr. Google, which we tell our patients not to do. But I'm sitting there reading about this condition that is very silent in your body, uh, is very asymptomatic, mostly affects Asian women. I'm an African woman. What am I doing with Asian problems? And they talk about how when you get FGTB, infertility and that is the first time like it really hit me that oh my god oh my god you know this is is happening (sighs) and all those all those months of god if you if you give me my period uh, all those flashbacks they come back and you remember the whole oh my god i hope i don't have kids so i sit my mom down and i tell her hey so listen there's a high chance i have tb the medications for tb will run you down your eyes get yellow you lose weight you get a skin rush really bad fever i was so afraid of telling the one i'm intimate with i know he's not my boyfriend let's be honest how am i supposed to tell him now like how will he take it will he think it's some condition where i can spread it to him will he view me differently yes we're not together or anything but He's integral to my life. He's those people, even if the intimacy stops, I don't think he's a person I would 
diminish from my life. Uh, we've gone through so much together. So we have a good friendship base. Um, how am I supposed to tell my friends? You know, like you, 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 you think about things when, when it's just simply said and done, you think that it's something so easy. But if it's something that you're supposed to do for the next six months of your life, how am I supposed to face my friends when I'm darker? rushed out with yellow eyes you know what's so crazy is that we went through these motions with my mom on a friday on a tuesday we get a phone call hey it's dr so and so you remember the one who told me everything is fine cool she's like hi you need to come back and i told my mom yeah they're putting me on meds and we go and sit and she's like yeah so the truth is there's no test we can give you for the TB because of how rare your condition is and it's sneaky because there are never like tests you can take and when people think about the TB they think about the coughing and the weight loss and these are typically things that I didn't have the math started mathing that in 2016 when I got sick that is what I had that is what got, caused the pass but nobody thought to check for TB everybody checked gonorrhea, chlamydia you know that beautiful song that had been preached so many times and she was like I don't want to lie to you the kid thing the only way you know whether you can have or not have kids is when you try but the truth is you're telling me that my house is burning but the kitchen is still alive that's the thing. That's what you're telling me. Is that you know you don't. When they start, listen, I'm a believer. But when people start putting God into diagnosis, just feel weird. Because when they start telling, you know, we are the doctors, but God is the last. I'm a person of faith. But I'm also very factual. I'd rather tell you tell me things are bad, but we can't reconstruct. Rather than you tell me, but no, there is still hope. Tell me the truth. I had already read about this thing enough times to know what I am supposed to be looking forward to. Now, the reality of IVF and maybe possible surrogacy and all these things. So you're overwhelmed, okay? You're given these big, big tablets. TB tablets are the worst. They're like huge. Let me tell you, there's so many changes that have happened in HIV. And those people who take ARVs these days typically take a tablet or two. My friend, no. I stand as a person who has to pop six of those beautiful things in a day. The nausea, the itchiness. Sometimes the itchiness is so bad. I have to like sit on the floor like and and I have to cut my nails. I can't do nails right now. I will itch and I will hurt my skin. And now you feel like you're overwhelmed. So a typical girl like me, what will I do? I will go online and listen to stuff and I'll watch engage talks and people who relate to me. But every time you get on a YouTube video is like, oh, so I talk to my husband about it. So I talk to my boyfriend about it. I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't have that person that I can tell, like, you know, this is what is happening. My story, my reality is hitting me before I meet someone. You know, um, I know infertility rocks relationships, but the reality of infertility hits them in the marriage that we've been married. So maybe we should try and you rediscover. I'm not saying that their pain is less, but it's easier when you're with someone presently there because you have so many questions in your head now of 
how am I supposed to start this conversation? The truth is, even when I had been dating for people who I never really told people that I had fertility problems. However, I wanted in the questions you asked, I wanted to see how open is your mind. Are you in a position where you would want to adopt? Would you want to pay a surrogate? Like, is your mind open or do you like, you know, my seed and you knock your chest, you know, because this cis has men, they're just the most. Even, the, even if I had had those conversations, the conversations for me right now have to be super real. And again, the only way, even in the books, to call you infertile is if you're trying. Who am I trying with? Even my said duvet i'll call him a duvet for this purpose of this conversation i don't want to have kids with him like let's be honest i don't want to have children by him and even then even if i decided even if the sky looked weird and i decided i want kids by him i would have to tell him my story i'm four weeks in to be drugs right now and i'm really proud of my body so i take my drugs at 10 from 10 to like one it's usually where the hell happens where i have the fevers and where i have maybe the rush a little bit of a rush and this that but when i wake up in the morning my body is ready to face the day and i'm very happy about that i'm also happy that I am able to tell people. I thought it would be hard. I legit thought it would be really hard to tell people like, oh, I have TB. <laughs> but it's been okay. I am so afraid of so many things. I was so afraid of how do you go to the clinic? Because the TB clinic is the HIV clinic. And as much as the stigma around it has reduced, it's definitely there. And when you go on Thursdays and you sit there and there are women crossing. They have to give you that eye of Usherati, you know, young girls, because they think I'm there for Airways. But nonetheless, there's still a lot of judgment that happens. And it being a place close to home, so mom will get those, like, oh, we saw your daughter at the CCC taking drugs and da-da-da. It was hard the first few cycles of getting drugs because you have to get the drugs every week so that they monitor how your body is taking them. And then from there, it's every two weeks, every two weeks. So I just got to my two-week mark, like getting my drugs after two weeks. I'm like, yes, I'm so grateful for that. I'd like to say, number one, doctors believe your patients. And it's weird, you know, because I'm a medical practitioner. People told me I had an SDI that I have never had. So believe your patient. Even if maybe to you it doesn't make sense. Maybe it doesn't make sense because you're like, hey, if it's me, da, 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 da. you know how when the Tinder Swindler came out and people were like, hey, me, give a man money. Never, can never be me. Until you're the one giving money, you, you can't say anything. Number two, friends should stop feeling weird about having their kids around you because they're those people who feel like no i don't want any kids i don't like want to see any joy or things like that and i understand just ask ask your friend ask the one who's going through infertility like are you okay with me having my kids around you um i'm having this party but there, there are going to be kids there. Are you okay with it? Just ask. Because now you get one of two. You get those people now who do not invite you to things because there are kids there and you might feel some type of way. Then you get those people who annoy you with their reality of kids in the sense of, hey, I really don't know what I would have done in your situation. Like me, the way my kid nags me, I my kid just annoys me. And you're like, it's not about you. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
most importantly ladies don't ignore that thing don't ignore that feeling that tingle that you know for me I'm, i was one person who really didn't like to go to hospitals unless something was wrong but now i feel like with everything that has happened i have become a little bit of a hypochondriac in the sense of something small will happen and i'm like am i am i really sick is it really is it really going to happen and everything like you you start doubting yourself so it is better to know and deal with it than not know that perhaps may you've been afraid to go get go get it that check up that you've been ignoring to it but all in all i'm here i'm going anywhere that's the truth maybe i'm here in tatas or maybe i'm here in a different way than i thought i would be but i'm here catch more african stories in the next episode of legally clueless I am so glad that I met Wanjira. Her energy, first and foremost, I think you could like hear it in in the story. It's really awesome. It's really refreshing. It's really lighthearted and just good vibes, you know? That's one. And then I'm just so thankful she opened up, shared a story that so many people identify with. And I hadn't really thought about it from somebody who's single perspective and that's taught me a lot and also the bit when she talked about what people can do you know in terms of like just being mindful inviting you for your events or get togethers where they're going to be kids etc just be mindful of, of the words that you use it's a necessary story and I and I know opening up like that is is not the easiest of things so I'm super excited that Wanjira did that so if you too want to share your story on this podcast we are knee deep in storytelling recording season in fact ooh in a couple of hours I'm going to record another story and meet one of you because now that things around the pandemic have relaxed a bit at least in Kenya I can record stories in person which is the part of this journey that I'd missed so much so if you want to share your story as well in the show notes there is a link to a google form just fill it out if you're listening on a platform that doesn't have show notes if you go to our instagram page and click the link in bio you'll see the google form fill it in hang tight i will get back to you <laughs> and we will record your story on this podcast another thing that's really dope is that we are on trace radio in kenya so you can go to traceradio.ca.ke for a list of all the frequencies you can tune in in case you're on the road or in different spaces or places in Kenya and catch the podcast there every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. and 11 p.m. and Friday at 1 p.m. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel. Dubai Part 2 is out on our tour series all about activities in the sky. <laughs> Let me tell you, I went to Dubai with my fear of heights intact and I came back with it completely abolished. Also, the stories we recorded were quite insightful about just like the hustle the difference between hustling in Kenya and then leaving Kenya to go and hustle in Dubai and what that kind of looks like. So in part two, the storyteller is a lady called Patricia and her story is just so powerful and, and hilarious at some bits. Like when she talks about lying on her CV, I've just remembered it. It's it's A. <laughs> However, this episode is over. I do thank you for listening to the very end. And I hope you have a really good week. I'm sending you grace. I'm sending you peace. And yeah, be good and be kind. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.